welcome to the second day of our uh, journey through uh, the story of Scripture or the drama of Scripture from beginning uh, in it to end. Uh, we started in the book of Genesis and we were introduced to a wonderful Creator God who, uh, through the spoken word, brought everything that we know into being and has shaped and formed it as a place uh, where we could live, reflect His heart and character, know Him and worship Him and steward uh, the works of his hand and enter into his blessing and enter into his rest. So when we come to chapter two, we come to uh, a second account of creation. The first is a creation in, in general, the creation of all that is, everything in heaven and earth, everything above and everything uh, below, and the creation of, of mankind as the crown of that as representative of his being. So here we take a zoom lens and we come in a little bit tighter on uh the man's place in creation and how he was created and the purposes that he has in creation. So this is a much more intimate account of, of Adam and of Eve, and it is a, a beautiful account uh, as well. So before we uh, read this passage, uh, let's uh, offer ourselves to God for him to teach us, to transform us, to reveal his heart and character to us, and to draw us into uh, his purposes for us. So, Katie, do you mind lifting us up? The word mm-hmm. of prayer. Did I tell you who's here with me? Katie Chris <laughs> is here with me, and she'll be praying in just a second. But David Keefe is also hey here, guys. and Matt Kresge as well, and I'm Paul Camp. <laughs> Katie. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this um, chapter we get to read from your word. Um, and Lord, we know from the New Testament that um, reading uh, about Adam and Eve and what took place um, as you created them, um, it has such implications um, for where we are and for our predicament, um, for our struggle with sin, and um, but also our, our salvation in, in Jesus. So um, would we glean much from it um, today from your word? Would your spirit um, move in us and, uh, and change our hearts, transform us into the likeness of your Son, and would we be open to um, what you have to say to us today? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. We're beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, and needing there he put the man he had formed. Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, 
but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's rib and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So we have the creation of Adam and the creation of Eve. Adam out of the stuff of the earth, and Eve out of the stuff of Adam. Both of those have beautiful images and beautiful significance uh, in what we do. It reminds us that as uh, humanity, we are creatures of this earth, and it reminds us as humanity, we are uh, of the same substance as, as each other. Mm-hmm. So we also not only belong to the earth and belong to our Creator, but we also belong to each other, especially in this union of marriage, which is symbolic unit throughout Scripture of the union of God with His people, and even more vividly, you know, in Ephesians 3, uh, of the union of Christ with His church. Mm-hmm. So this is a highly significant chapter uh, when we come to the theology uh, of this chapter. So what are some of the things that, uh, that stand out as you read this chapter? I'm definitely struck just in this kind of zoomed in take on, on the creation of man and woman. Uh, it's very humbling uh, to read of, of, of God and, and all that he is and all that we saw of him in chapter one, how he is speaking and is being formed and how powerful he is and, and how he's ruling and reigning. And then here he takes us from the stuff of the earth, as you said, and just forms us with a humbling picture of kind of the origins of humanity, the origins of, of who we are. And for a guy who can often be proud or think I'm something a little greater than I might be, this is just a humbling um, reminder for me of, of where I came, who my creator is, and what it looks like to to be his, his creature. Yeah. Now, there's wonderful intimacy involved here, you know, again, and, and you've rightly, you know, observed in the, you know, in the first chapter, God is speaking, you know, in, in things into existence. So you have the power of a creator, uh, you know, from his heavenly throne, even though you do have the image of spirit hovering. Mm-hmm. You know, as a you know, as a, a mother bird would kind of hover over, uh, you know, her her chicks. Uh, but but you have him speaking creation into existence. Here you have him intimately involved, and uh, of course the whole idea of forming Adam out of you know, out of dust, out of the stuff of the earth, and breathing life into him, mm-hmm. uh, which is a is a big image. The the word spirit of God and breath of God and and wind are all the same in both Hebrew and and, and ironically in Greek, is as well. And, and so the image is not only an image of God's breath giving us life, but of God's spirit, you know, giving us life and of you know, animating life. And, and the word for rib here is is really that is a bad translation. Any place else you find it in Scripture, it's not. He took a rib from Adam. He took a side from Adam. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He took a whole half of him uh, you know, in order to make this. And, and I love this. I've always uh, enjoyed the fact that uh, in order to do this, obviously for surgery, he had to put him to sleep. But I think it's also a good idea for him to put him to sleep because Adam would have made a lot of suggestions on how he should create it, how he should have formed Eve. But, it, but it's bigger than just he took a little part. You know, the whole idea of he took a, a big chunk of who Adam was and, and he put it in Eve you know, speaks of, you know, the nature of that relationship as a completing relationship, but also as a as an equal and foundational mm-hmm. you know, relationship. So Adam is to look at Eve and say, she is everything that, excited I, there. that yeah. I am. <laughs> now you're, 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 okay, you're, okay, you're, okay. you're thinking of Jesse here. Uh, but uh, Adam is, you know, looking at Eve and saying, she is everything, you know, that I am, but she's also not like me. She is a compliment to me. There is, there is, uh, in that you know, complementary uh, relationship. It's fun to see, you know, where in verse eighteen you kind of get the problem where God says it's not good for man to be alone. I'll create a helper, you know, that's suitable for him. And then he parades the animals in front of Adam. It's like this almost a pause in the moment where like God parades the animals in front of Adam and says, you know, name all the animals and. And you're you're left kind of wondering, okay, what's going on? Why did we just interrupt this? Like, what's God going to do? And it's it's almost just after animal after animal, you know, Adam is is being reminded and realizing like there is not a helper, you know, suitable right. amongst these animals. And then once God does take you know that half out of Adam and, and create the woman and and brings her to Adam, Adam wakes up. You know, it's the first time we hear man speak. And, and we you know we don't get to know what he named the animals and how that dialogue went down, you know. But what we do get is this excitement and, and a wordplay, you know, in this yeah. moment where Adam kind of bursts into poetry, and the first thing we hear is a, is a song from from man over what God has done. Yeah, and it is a uh, it is you know the, the image is there is nothing in creation that can complete and complement uh, man. Uh, we are completed and complemented in each other as we walk in the presence you know of, of our heavenly father and our creator so it's our union with him and our union with each other that is going to be emphasized through the rest of you know through the rest of scripture mm-hmm. i i think for me and this is even outside of just talking about adam and eve but starting in verse 10 it talks about the river that's watering the garden um flowed from eden and um i just Y'all, y'all know that how much I love the the river imagery and the river theme. Wouldn't you say it's like the, it is a theme throughout Scripture? This river that's producing life. I mean, that there isn't even any rain yet, right? And and yet r- the river, the streams are what is um, bringing life out of the ground. Uh, no that's doubt, so beautiful. I mean, obviously, whenever Jesus begins to talk about his his work, he talks about streams of living water that are moving. And you, and of course, the final image we get, you know, of the new heavens and the new earth. You have a a river flowing, you know, yeah. from it, uh, you know, as a symbol of life and a symbol of abundance. Uh, you know, and later, you know, a symbol of his scripture. There's a couple of name changes that take place in this. In, in chapter one, uh, the name for God is is Elohim or God. Uh, in chapter two. Uh, in keeping with his personal involvement with creation of Adam and Eve, you have the personal name of God, Yahweh Elohim, uh, the Lord our God. And again, this is the covenant name of God, the name which he revealed himself to Moses as he entered into relationship you know, with Israel. And so uh, whenever you hear the word Yahweh, you're, you're, you hear a phrase that's speaking about the relational nature of God and how he invites us into 
uh, relationship with him through covenant. Well, that's beautiful. You know, we talked about in the first chapter just how God's creating this sanctuary, or you get the phrase sometimes temple garden, and now he's created Adam and Eve, and he's placed them in this garden, and we use those two words to work it and to take care of it, you know, or to to keep it and guard it. And those images of, you know, the, that will be used later on of the priests, you know, that the priests were to to work and to keep the temple. Um, and, and you have these words of worship. And, and so when God places Adam and Eve in the garden um, to, to work it and take care of it, uh-huh. you know, it's it's an act of worship. Um, and we're almost seeing, again, the, the heart of what God has done, that he's created Adam and Eve as kind of these mini priest kings. Right. Um, to and rule and, and it also, behalf. these are words that ought to find our understanding of worship, that worship is, you know, not just simply you know, praising God or singing the praises yeah. of God, but it's actively serving the purposes of God. So worship mm-hmm. is far more comprehensive than the way we've you know, made it. You know, we, we've sometimes reduced it to a worship service. That's where we get our worship in. And we even have a worship section of the worship service, which is where, you know, worship, you know, is, you know, supremely expressed. But we need to realize this, that what we were doing when we come here through word, hearing from God and adoring Him, and through praise, responding to God and His majesty and holiness is an overflow of a life of, of service uh, you know, to Him. Mm-hmm. And that's the proper context for worship as people as the servants of God. Mm-hmm. You know, the author's also setting us up for where we're headed in the next chapter where we begin to see He's created these trees. And I love the detail. You know, God didn't just create random trees and set them in the garden, but they are also trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And, and yet there's also a restriction that he's going to give them. Um, you know, he, he's going to tell them you can't eat from this tree. All the other trees that are pleasing to the eye and good for food you may eat from, but there's one tree you cannot. Um, you know, and then you get this kind of last phrase, and you're wondering, what in the world? Verse 25, you know, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Yeah. And it's leading us into what the next part of the story no, and it's a, you know, it, which is a, uh, a really significant, you know, thing to say. It's not just that they were, you know, comfortable with, you know, their own bodies and each other. It's that they're, they're not projecting an image. They're not worried about their image. So in the next chapter, you're going to find them hiding, uh, you know, behind, you know, fig leaves. Uh, but uh, not only do we hide behind fig leaves, we hide behind projected images that we, you know, that we do on Facebook and things like that. We want other people to see us the way we want them to see us, knowing that if they really saw us, mm-hmm. that, that we would be ashamed and we would be undone. Mm-hmm. And, and so it is setting us up for the ultimate covering we have in Christ, where our image is not found in, in our attractiveness or our achievements or uh, you know, are things that we accomplish, but in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. Um, Matt, why don't you close us with a yeah, word of prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and, and we thank you that um, even in the refrain in, in Genesis 1 that you spoke and it was, uh, you said you're a God who speaks, that you've also revealed yourself um, in, in the pages of Scripture. And so, Father, we thank you that we um, hear your voice, we ask that you would continue to give us ears that hear and eyes that see, that, that Father, we may behold wonderful things in your word. Uh, use your word to transform us. Uh, we thank you um, for, for the story of Scripture. Uh, would you continue to unfold it um, over the next year as we dive in together? And, and Father, would we find our place in it? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.